Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Now, the format for this next session is um, we have our speakers here, and we're, I'm going to read um, a couple of paragraphs here out of the big book, and then they're going to discuss their impressions of that. It's a, a workshop. So um, there is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in hopelessness and futility, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet, we have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a new dimension, into a fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. The great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way that is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. That is the um, the idea behind this convention, the fourth the fourth dimension. Hi, everybody. Diana, alcoholic. Hey, Diana. Uh, wow, interpretation of that. Uh, I live in that. Uh, I, I've had a, a profound um, fourth dimension experience right here uh, at this conference, and uh, just about every day. I just want to read something out of uh, the Concord where it says fourth dimension. You guys are going to laugh because I read this last Friday, a week ago yesterday, uh, before I left my office to come to Mississippi to speak at the conference. And <clears throat> this was sitting on my desk, and I just thought I, I, I brought it into one of my counselors, and we sat down, and we're thumbing through the book, and we read this. Uh, out of this, and and I just want to read what it says, because there's a little hint in here. This is fourth dimension stuff. It says, fourth dimension, uh, something outside the range of ordinary experience, a dimension in addition to the three rectangular dimensions of length, breadth, and depth, which is often considered to be time. (laughs) I thought... That was hysterical that I read that right before I walked out the door and I had the wrong time. I had the wrong date. And, you know, there's a line in the big book that says, God does not make too hard of terms to those who seek him. And what he just read is my my sponsor's very favorite passage in the big book. Uh, The first paragraph um, out of Bill's story that he read is my favorite, and the second paragraph that he read is her favorite. 
And to me, that's fourth dimension stuff. It's, uh, it's a spiritual dimension. Uh, I know they talk about the sixth dimension being, being a spiritual dimension, but Bill talks about being rocketed into the fourth dimension. And I, I always wondered what that was, what, what really that meant. Um, and when I got on that rocket, and I started that ride, and that's what it feels like many days of my life. I feel I go rocket ride, baby, is my favorite saying, because there are so many amazing things that happen in this deal. Um, as I walked out of my office um, on Friday, Pete and I stopped by there so I could uh, do a couple things real quick. And before I walked out of my office, I stopped for a brief second, and I turned around, and the thought come, came to me to grab this feather to travel with this time, and I picked up that feather, put it in my big book. And the next thought that came to me was, take your first edition big book. And I grabbed my first edition big book. Now, my father gave me that first edition big book when I was four years sober, and it was his very first big book. And uh, when I got here... I had been thinking, I need to get a cover for this fourth edition big book. So I get here, and what do you think's on my, a gift on my, wrapped very nicely on my bed, was a cover for my fourth, I mean, for my first edition big book. And, and those kind of experiences are, is what I think Bill was talking about, um, my interpretation of what he talks about in the fourth dimension, and that is the spiritual dimension to me. I had no idea what it was, what it was about, what it looked like, felt like, how to get it. When, when I first got sober, um, my first year, I ran around like a crazy woman trying to find God, right? And I mean, I went to this Christian, some kind of retreat where all these people prayed over me, and they told me one leg was shorter than the other, and then they laid me down on the floor, and they prayed over me, and put their hands on me, and all that, and then they stood me up, and they said, see, you're healed. Your leg is no longer shorter than your other leg. I mean, those are the kind of experiences that I look back at now as a rocket ride, you know? Rafting down the Arkansas River last month with my three sons, was a rocket ride into the fourth dimension of something I never, uh, you know, I love, I love Peter M. And, and one of the things that he said is that your mind, your brain cannot, your, your mind cannot possibly wrap around, uh, the power of which we talk about in these rooms. And boy, is he right. I still, you know, 11 years here trying to practice these principles and do this work and work with others and carry this message. And, and it's more of an adventure today than it ever has been. And I know less today about what my life is going to look like than I ever have. And, uh, and I love that. I love that. So I have this connection to a power. Um, and, and I call it God sometimes. And sometimes I call it El Hancho Grande. And he sends me sticky notes and their feathers and, uh, just all kinds of really uh, crazy stuff happens. And when I got to this conference and I saw this gentleman, Larry, sitting over here, I've never met Larry before. And Pete and I were sitting back there eating the wonderful catfish y'all cooked. And, and, uh, something kept drawing me. I got to go see that guy. And I thought he was from Brookhaven, a gentleman I had met when I spoke here uh, a couple of years ago. And so I come running up here and I said, Jeff. And he said, I'm not Jeff. And I said, I know you. I mean, there, we, we have this connection. It's unspoken and, and it will yet to unfold. I don't know what it is, but that's the kind of stuff that happens to us here. And I've had goosebumps since I got here. 
Um, my sponsor refers to them as God mumps. Uh, I refer to them as God mumps sometimes myself. And uh, my body has been inundated with God mumps since I walked in this room yesterday. And, uh, and I want to thank you all for that. And I am so grateful that I live in the fourth dimension of existence, um, to which I could never, ever imagine. And I thank all of you for that. Thank you. I'm Rhoda, Grateful Recovering Al-Anon. Hey, Rhoda. And I remember years ago when I first started reading the big book, that reading on page 25, um, um, we have found much of heaven and have been rocketed to a fourth dimension of existence of which we had never, ever dreamed, caught my attention. And I'm like, wait a minute, i got to read that again. Are you telling me that one of the promises, and there's so many promises in this big book, well over a hundred promises, not just the ones on page 82 and 83, but you're telling me that one of the promises of work in this program is, I will find much of heaven. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church, and I thought the only way I would get to heaven is when I died. And you're telling me if I live this way and work these steps, that I will actually have much of heaven. And that was just so profound for me. And then the next part, I really didn't understand, what does it mean you will be rocketed to a fourth dimension of existence of which you had never, ever dreamed. Now I know what that means. And I, I would not, oh, I would not trade that for anything, you know. You know, we get promises in these programs that are intangible. And they're promises that the world can neither give nor take away. Yet I can lose those if I stop working this program. So to me, that was just so profound, the fourth dimension of existence. And, you know, it's... I don't, you don't even know how to explain what that is. I guess that may be something different for everybody. But, you know, as for me, it's like I walk around all the time. I don't always, I'm not always up. I mean, we all have bad days. We're only human. But most of the time, I'm very peaceful and serene, um, most of the time. But, you know, for me, that means I'm walking around with my heads in the clouds. But I have to remind myself constantly i got to keep my feet on the ground because that's where God's kids are and that's where the people are that I need to share the message with and try to help. Um, and then um, the, the other part of that passage that says, you know, our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. Um, you know, like Rick shared in his story earlier today, he was saved so many times and I was saved, you know, so many times. But you know what? It's different here. It feels different than it did then. And, you know, God is in my heart today and he does live in a way that's indeed miraculous. And you just can't explain that stuff. You just have to experience it. And it's all part of the all-encompassing spiritual awakening, in my opinion. And, you know, it lives in a way which is indeed miraculous, lives in a way which is indeed a miracle. And, you know, they define a miracle as being an event, I think this is in Webster, an event that is unexplainable by laws of nature, so is therefore deemed to be an act of God. And I think that's what recovery is. It's, it's God's gift to us, and I'm eternally grateful. Thanks. Thank you. Marcel R., recovering alcoholic. Happy, joyous, free, yeah. Um, fourth dimension. There was a group in the 60s called the Fifth Dimension. Now the age of Aquarius. Uh, up, up, and away. Anyway, funny things come from our minds. You know, I speak from my 
heart, my gut, not from my brains. To me, fourth dimension is living free, happy, joyous, and free. And that's the ultimate promise of any AA member. And we all have access to the fourth dimension, by the way. It's, it's not an exclusive of some. Everyone has access to the fourth dimension. To me, it comes after working the 12 steps. It's a process. It's not, it doesn't come to me like Bill W. I, every, after Katrina, um, I traveled to the house of Bill W. in East Dorset in Vermont and to the house of Dr. Bob in Akron, Ohio, just to talk to the very old timers who met this gentleman and just to latch on to the spirit of the old timers, you know. I've learned a lot about the fourth dimension with them. A fourth dimension comes as a byproduct of living right, and um, it's like um, the end of the 12th step, the end of the rainbow, the end of the yellow brick road. And um, it's filled with joy. You cannot take joy away from me, even if you try, nor from you. You know, it's more than pleasure-seeking. Pleasure is fleeting. Joy is eternal. Truth is eternal. Light, beauty, poetry, music. When alcoholism hits you at two in the morning, and you're filled with fear and anger and resentment and self-centeredness, you need all the help you can. If you're anything like me, you need all the help that you can get. You know what I do? I turn the radio on. Sometimes it's classical music. Sometimes it's rock and roll, baby. And I have the tools. Why? Because I live in the fourth dimension, and I, I know how to deal with this mental illness. But not only that, the spiritual lack. We don't do well in the first, second, and third dimension, we alcoholics done. We have to, every morning when I wake up, I pray and meditate, and I pray for God of my understanding, for please, 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 um, save me when I cannot save myself. I depend on you, God. You know, I depend on you like a baby depends on the umbilical cord of his or her mother, you know. And I am aware of that limitation. I do have limitations. I have many gifts and many talents, God-given. They don't belong to me. They're borrowed, and they belong to the community of AA and the community at large. And I make full exercise of them. I'm not coy. I'm not shy about that. And it's not a matter of bragging or it's full display of gifts and talents. It would be selfish of me to keep them to myself. It would be like spiritual narcissism, if you would, if you will. If I don't apply whatever little gifts I have and share them with you, and I love Rhoda and Rick. I mean, they're a beautiful example of an AA, an Al-Anon couple that are sharing, and, and it's noticeable, their joy, and, and it's attraction, you know, it's not promotion. Or the gentleman, the lady that have 40, 150 years married, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I learned from them. You know, how do you get to be 150 years married? You know, it's difficult. You know, but they do it. So we see, we see they live in the fourth dimension. So God bless each and every one of you. I have the inkling that fourth dimension has to do with the eternal concept of love. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm Rick.
recovering alcoholic. It is an amazing uh, spiritual movement. In the history of the world, there's never, ever been a solution for alcoholism. The age-old riddle. Now, Marcel spoke about it. I've been uh, fortunate enough to been to meetings all over. Whenever I travel, I go to meetings. They have meetings in Russia. A guy sponsor have meetings in China, Vietnam. They even have meetings in Tehran. There's nothing like one alcoholic helping another one. And if you read the big book, a lot of the things that God inspired Bill, he didn't know when he wrote it. And it's a fascinating book, and throughout the whole world, think about this, in this spiritual movement, only in the last 70-something years, has there ever been a solution for alcoholism? Never been one. And he wrote the textbook. And in the whole world, the original manuscript, y'all ever seen that or seen the duplicate of it? In the whole world, that original manuscript is in the town that me and Rhoda live in, Fairhope, Alabama. That's amazing, isn't it? We had an AA party uh, Christmas, and we tried to get him to bring it over, but he wouldn't do it. <laughs> he paid about a million five hundred thousand dollars for it. So as far as for me, I I try to keep recovery. The big book says most good ideas are simple. This is the keystone archway which we walk to freedom. That's what I want to be. So the fourth dimension really is an existence. If I exist, I live. It's my life. It's my life which I never dreamed of. So as a fellow sufferer, my fourth dimension now is really to have peace, to pay my bills. I think that's fourth dimension. That's amazing, isn't it? If you ever paid your bills and thank God you can pay your bills and not have to pay late charges, <laughs> I thank God fourth dimension for me is I can answer the telephone. I used to really get nervous or paranoid. I thank God I'm a good father today. Do you know I can make commitments and keep them? I sleep like a baby. I never could sleep. The greatest sleeping pill on this earth is a clear conscience. And that's what you gave me. I'm a good husband today, a good employee when I work. I'm a good citizen. I can do so many things that I never could do before by being empowered, not being sober. I never really liked that. But I love this empowering, recovering life. This all ebullient. I love it. Another fourth dimension of thing for me is to be empowered, to be able to take another suffering alcoholic who's hopeless and share with him and guide him through the steps. I love that. I love working with families. I love going to jails and institutions. I love, Chuck Chamberlain used to say it all the time, to me the essence of recovery is the ability to do. And all it would take is one drink, not 20. If you gave me one drink, I'd be in the basement all along. 
A lot of us, I end with this, a lot of us used to go to these fortune tellers, these palm readers to read our future. Remember that? <laughs> you pay them $4. <laughs> I want to know my future. <laughs> and I'm paying her. I don't care about that anymore. AA got me current with my bills, my past, and it allows me the gift of living in the present. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts of AA. I don't worry about that anymore. I don't have all that guilt. I'm able to just live right here and enjoy this moment, this conference. And that's all. My name is Larry I am an alcoholic. And I'm free this afternoon. Free means that I've recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Um, the great spirit has given me the, the privilege with a partner by the name of Charlie Yao to travel around the world and, and conduct three-day Joe and Charlie-style book studies. And through this regimen, we've done a lot of research and study because the question comes up a great deal as to what, what do these words mean? Bill throws out the word phenomena. Phenomenon, miracle, miraculous. Well, all those words mean the same thing. They can't be explained. Rhoda alluded, alluded to that moments ago. And what is the fourth dimension? Well, if you start Googling, you can Google yourself crazy. Because I have. That's what you got up here is a crazy man. And the one that we give as in the PowerPoint presentation, in the four dimensions, there's a physical dimension. Height, length, and width. you got a time dimension. That's past, present, and future. And then you've got a mental dimension, which is thought, perception, and feeling. And the fourth dimension is a conscious contact with God. The operative word there is conscious. I don't know about your God. Mine never puts up a neon sign on I-75 and says, well, Larry, this is what you need to be doing. God gives me these very clear, they're very, they're very seldom vague or muddy or murky directions on what my next move is to be. That's promised to me in that 11th step work that we do. And working with my guys, I tell them, I say, guys, when the awareness begins, and they say, what does that mean? Well, when you wake up, you know, when you come up out of this fog that you've, that you've immersed yourself in for all these years. I mean, I drank since I was about six years old, and I didn't, I didn't turn myself into A&A until I was 40. So I was pretty well immersed in a, in a life of insanity and self-imposed uh, delusion and illusion. So today, when things start coming to me that I know to be God's will, I've woken up to what that is. And I'm going to take a couple of minutes. It's a story I shared with, with, uh, with my friend earlier today when, when, when we were talking about our feather relationships. 
I had a lot of tragedy come down on me within about a 30-day period. She got sick and had to leave. My house caught fire. My furnaces blew up. My ceiling fell in my house because of a, a deluge of rain. And all of this stuff was happening. And my best friend, my little dog, Catfish, died after 16 years. And I raised my fist to God and I said, make your point. What are you trying to tell me here? Enough. A few days later, I was riding down the road. I was leading a, a ride of motorcycles to a, the Atlanta Men's Workshop, which is a three-day spiritual retreat in central Georgia. I'm of Native American heritage, so I follow the red road path of spirituality. And we're riding along running 65 miles an hour, and I notice movement in my upper right periphery. And all this happened this quick. I looked up, and it was a red-shouldered hawk with a five-foot wingspan. He came into a vertical dive, and he got about four feet off of the deck. He flew dead in front of my motorcycle, and when he got right dead center, he turned and looked me dead in the eye. And I went, whoa. And the cat that was riding next to me, he's native also, and we were both kind of dumbfounded, and I started poking around trying to figure out what that meant, because it, it, it was a visit that just doesn't happen every day. This, it might happen with a young hawk, but not a mature hawk like that, you know. And what I found out, it was, it, it was a, it was signifying a change. And I was about to go through a profound change in my life. Uh, the economy was crashing and Susan had gotten sick and, and, uh, cancer survivor, blah, blah, blah. It's a very long story. So I start doing the work with my sponsor to get on the other side of this, this mire. Because I can't live like this. Start doing the work. Well, it's June the 22nd the following year. I'm leading a ride out of uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, through the back roads of Tennessee. Beautiful June morning. We're heading to Knoxville to meet my now big book study partner, Charlie Yowes, who's speaking at an A&A conference over there in Chattanooga. We're rolling along the road running about 65 mile an hour and I'm up, I'm up front and I noticed movement in my upper right periphery. All this happened this quick. It was a five foot wingspan red shouldered hawk. He came down in a vertical dive. He got about four foot off the deck and he leveled out and got right in front of my motorcycle and looked dead, just looked me dead in the eye. I pulled over on an impoundment up there big body of water, and it was very clear to me what that visit was all about. Larry, you've gotten on the other side of this difficulty, and you've recovered from that, from that momentary piece of insanity and inconvenience that you went through. Now, we could all call that a coinkydink, and y'all have at it if you want to, but that ain't my experience. I'm going to share one more story with you because when the awareness begins, the word coincidence is gone. Coincidence is a miracle in which God chooses to remain anonymous. There's a guy that came to me. He'd lost his driving privilege. He'd been uh, prosecuted in seven Georgia counties for alcohol and drug-related offenses while operating a motor vehicle, and he had lost his privilege, and he's riding a bicycle back and forth to work. Old skinhead-looking thing all inked up and teeth broke out, and he always sat in the front row with that big, big book, 
that big print. He came to me one Tuesday night and he said, Larry, it's about time for me to start looking at getting my license back. And I said, Paul, that's a great idea. What do you, what do you got to do? He said, well, I got to get this real expensive insurance. I got to get one of them things you blow into an interlock device. I got to go to a DUI school and it's going to be expensive. I said, do you have the money? He says, I do. I said, well, before we go into that, I said, and I knew this guy was spiritually grounded. He's leading these cats. He's going over to the homeless shelter and taking these cats through the work and, and, and banging them over the head with the book. So I knew he was on point. And I said, well, Paul, why don't you do this first? Why don't you go down to the, to the driver's license place and just ask them what they think about this? But keeping in mind, guys, we're waking up here when the awareness begins. He said, Larry, I already know. I said, would you just do this for me? Let's just go down and double check. So he went down on a Friday afternoon, had one of his sponsees drive him down. He went up to the window and he tells the lady, my name's Paul, blah, blah, blah. He said, would you look in that machine and tell me where I stand? And she goes, she says, you live over in Marietta, Georgia on this street? And she says, yes, ma'am. She says, that'll be $37. He did. $37, $37, Marcel. <laughs> so he said, excuse me just a minute. And he stepped back and he called me. He said, she said $37. I said, Paul, take the license. He said, but. I said, no. You have slipped through some bureaucratic red tape. You go get them license. See, when we do God's work well, these these all sorts of miraculous things happen. So he went back over to Wanda and he said, ma'am, please just look at it one more time. And she said, do you want your license or not? It's $37. She gave him the license, and he left, and he showed up at the meeting. And he said, I got my license back. I said, good for you. And in Georgia, when they take your license, they staple them to the ticket. And then that license felt like a cheese grater. It had been stapled so much. <laughs> so I said, well, what's, I said, Paul, do you have a car? He said, no, I don't. I said, well, now you don't have to go get that insurance, the interlock device and all that business in the school. I said, uh, when you get a car, what are you going to do with it? He said, well. He said, I'm going to load it up with drunks over from the homeless shelter and take them to meetings. I said, Paul, you go home tonight and you ask God to give you a car. He said, really? I said, you betcha. Paul went home that night and he asked God to give him a car. Or get him a car. He had the money. He showed up at the breakfast club meeting. It's a big book study up in Woodstock, Georgia at 7 o'clock the next morning. He ran into a cat there he hadn't seen in 15 years, didn't even know the fellow was in the rooms. They were old classmates in high school. He said, sure is good to see you, Paul. He said, I didn't know you were in here. He said, I didn't know you were either. Good to see you, Mary. Got the children. Everything's good. Blah, blah, blah. Catching up. And the guy says, Paul, do you need a car? Paul says, as a matter of fact, I do. He said, well, we got this little Honda Civic we bought new and we've maintained it. And me and her just bought a new Accord. And won't you come get that car? He says, what do you want for it? He says, no. He says, just come get it. You can have it. We just put a timing belt on it. Paul called me up and he said, fella gave me a car this morning, Larry. I said, Paul, you're one of God's favorite kids. He showed up at the big book study that evening, a little old brown four-door Honda Civic, and it parked. And all four doors up, it looked like a clown car with drunks rolling out of it. 
And I'm going to tell you what, I hadn't seen Paul in a while. He moved to, to uh, St. Johnsbury, Vermont, Dr. Bob's home. But I would imagine, based on that experience, the awareness began with him and it hasn't been shaken. That's a faith that you just can't buy. we got to live this thing, and I've been rocketed. And it's not only in my experience. I get to see this rocket ride with all these cats that I get to meet, man. It's a, it's a ride I wouldn't trade for nothing, and there ain't a shot of dope or a shot of liquor on the planet that comes close to this ride that, that God's given me. And I'm real excited to be with you people this weekend. Thank you for having me. My name's Chet, and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm a grateful alcoholic. The fourth dimension is to be able to stand here today. And all the amazing things that people are talking about. You know, I got a God in my understanding today that if I didn't have, I'd be dead. Uh... You know, Diana and I were talking and we were talking about getting ready to tell our stories. You know, when I get ready to tell my story, I go pray. And I go pray because this is God's opportunity to get some stuff out of me and into you. That is the fourth dimension. The fourth dimension to understand that I don't have to stand up here today and have a drink of whiskey or a bump of heroin or a pill of LSD, or anything else that put me out there. You know, in the big book, there is a solution. You know, in a lot of mathematical problems and all that stuff we do in life, they never give us a solution. In the big book, an alcoholic, and I'm a Dr. Bob Thumper, by the way, not a Bill Thumper. I love Dr. Bob and all the history. But you know, they never give us a solution. It's like giving God, he said he wants a dollar and we give him 75 cents. We put that quarter back in our pocket because we don't think he's got the entire solution. My grandbabies tomorrow will be 20 months old. They were born one pound, two ounces and one pound, four ounces. Doctors said they wouldn't make it, calling the family. We loaded up, drove to the Everglades. They're normal today. That's a fourth dimension thing. And in my fourth dimension, as I understand it, this program has taught me, and these beautiful people up here have taught me, and you have taught me, fourth dimension is about letting you be you. I don't have to take you inventory. Um, I don't have to do anything except show up and suit up. You know, one of the things when I first came in Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, my sponsor, my first sponsor's dead and gone, and, and one of the things he says is we can't fix stupid. You know, and I, I was having a real hard time at understanding, you know, it might take a while to fix me. But he told me, remember one thing, as long as you're in a program Alcoholics Anonymous, this is stone cold simple. You don't drink or use today. Period. And he says, when you get wired, you call me. He said, when everything's awry and you think that, you know, the world's just falling apart, call me. You know, I've had people walk into my life in, in Alcoholics Anonymous or up on the street. And I gotta say, you shared that beautiful today. You know, I, I just don't believe the fourth dimension is God always puts, always, not sometimes, always puts the right person at the right place 
at the right time for the right circumstances. And uh, I'm going to share a little story with you. And I told Steve I wasn't going to share this in my story, but I got time now. I was five years sober and I wanted to get drunk. I went camping at a state park and I asked to be in the isolated area where nobody was around and I did that. I said, well, hell, you know, if I'm going to get drunk, I need to, I need to go ahead and eat something. So I was cooking this, I was getting the firewood together to cook a steak and boil some potatoes. And I heard some racket. There's a guy setting a tent up back there. And I had just stopped and bought a half gallon of Jim Beam. My intentions were to get drunk. I had some other stuff too, but my intention was to get drunk. I went out and gathered some more firewood and came back and there's two or three more tents sitting up back there. By the time I got done eating, there's fifth, I don't know, there was 12, 15 tents. There was a herd of people there. This is in isolation now, you know, and this is the women and the men and everybody together. They ain't got no toilets, you know. You got to walk down and a mile to fill up your water. You know, this just don't happen by mistake. This guy come over and said, hey, man, we're going to have an AA thing over here tonight. Would you like to come join us? That is the fourth dimension. That's like the feathers and the eagle and them calling me in for last rites for my grand. I just got goosebumps. The last rites for my grandbabies. We went down there for my grandbabies. I opened the incubators. We scrubbed up all that fancy stuff, went in and opened the incubators, and I laid hands on my grandbabies. I'm not a... You know, I'm not a super, I'm not pastor, I'm not none of that stuff. And I said, God, I want your will to be done in these babies, not mine. My will is to save the babies. That's my human instinct. But we prayed over them, and uh, I told my boy and my daughter-in-law, you know, might as well go back to the house. You know, we ain't got control of this no more. So we went back and ate, and uh, they said, well, let's call the hospital. I said, why don't we leave this alone? And I'm sitting out there while he's drinking a beer, and he says, Daddy, does this bother you? I said, no, it don't bother me. Son, you got total right to get drunk if you want. I'm just not going with you. You know, today, my fourth dimension is God, of my understanding, is the center of my fourth dimension. On the outside is that how I deal with Chet. And on the outside of it is how I deal with you all. I like the way you all talk in Mississippi, by the way. I'm a Yankee. Uh, <laughs> it's how I deal with you all. And the outside of that fourth dimension is how I deal with everybody else, sober or drunk, inside these rooms and outside these rooms. To me, that's that's my objective. And, you know, there's an old man that um, some of you know. His name is uh, Don C. And he laid that out to me one time when I first got sober, and he says, whenever you screw that center up and you you let Chet, you wake up in the morning with Chet, you're going to have a bad day. I wake up in the morning with a God of my understanding today. That is my fourth dimension. I got a sponsor, and we can go back about six on them. He's got a sponsor. He's got a sponsor. Uh, I sponsor six men, and I co-sponsor a young lady. And uh, it is a blessing what the fourth dimension lets me do. Thank you.
Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.